Hi everybody, my name is Sam. I own a company called Your Admin Ninja, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. DJ Guns today. That's all we get. <laughs> Say hello to the fine folks. Ooh, hi. Hi. <laughs> um, Shane and I both have interviewed a lot of people over the years, him for radio and me for my podcast with Your Admin Ninja. Very rarely do we actually get interviewed, though. So this is going to be different for you, isn't it? That'd be the first time. You ready? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to just start with a few of the questions. You know most of the questions, but I might throw in a pop quiz question for you along the way. So, you know, every good superhero, they have an origin story. And you are a superhero in the world of metal and independent musicians and, and that kind of thing. And so... You help um, musicians in a lot of different ways, and you are a superhero. So we want to know your origin story. How did your love of music begin? Well, first of all, I'm going to preface this by saying I am not a superhero. There are policemen and firemen out there that are more superheroes than I am. That, okay, I'll give I, you that. I, I, okay, anyway. So my origins, I guess, the music began when I was a kid. Uh, my mother and I used to drive down the street in Greenville, Texas, in her old Pontiac, and we, we listened to, to music Captain Tamil, you know, Glenn Campbell, Leonard Skinner, all that stuff, you know, fast forward, we met my stepdad and got introduced to Led Zeppelin and some, uh, you know, some other stuff, Beatles and, you know, you name it, Jethro Tull. And then fast forward into the 80s when it became a prepubescent and got into the whole 80s movement, you know, Duran Duran, you know, Iggy Pop and you know, just just an old electronic, and then some, you know, some rock, you know, Bon Jovi, the Death Leopards, and all that, you know, which, which was good stuff, but I really didn't get into metal until way years later. Hmm. So you had a little bit of an eclectic musical taste when you were younger. I did. It also helped that uh, in, when I was about six, sixth grade, um, I got in, introduced to playing the trumpet. Oh, yeah? How'd that happen? Um, we, uh, Parents wanted me to get into something, and of course, me being who I am, football was not going to be it, or, or, any, or any sort of sport. So, uh, <clears throat> we were, you know, my stupid was very musically inclined. He played the guitar, drums, and the bass, and the piano, and he, you know, introduced me to, hey, let's, let's check out the trumpet. And so, a friend of mine said, hey, I agree. So, we uh, went to the school, because we didn't have the money at the time to buy, to buy a trumpet, went to the school and said, hey, I want to join the band. And the band director at the time, Mr. Bagley, if I remember his name correctly, um, said, well, why don't we start you off on the cornet? And I was like, okay, because, you know, that's all they had. Mm. It was all beat up, it was rusty, it was dented, but, you know, I played. And then, uh, I think it was, it was either freshman, like either eighth grade or ninth grade, I got a silver Yamaha, that I, which I still have. You still have it? Mm -hmm, I do. Okay. Maybe on one of the other podcasts we can bring it out and show it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... I know this interview is about you, but I thought about something funny with me with band, and you already know this, but mm -hmm. everybody listening wouldn't know. When I tried out for the band, mm -hmm. same time you did, sixth grade-ish, I was told to take up art. <laughs> it was that bad. That, that means black girl with no groove. <laughs> and I wanted to play the drums or the saxophone, and I had nothing. <laughs> they got nothing. But the art thing worked out fine. Yep. Yeah. All right, so you mentioned a few bands already. Would you mm -hmm. consider those to be your musical influences, mm -hmm. or are there others? Um, I, I, like you said, I'm very eclectic. Um, I listen to jazz, to pop, to classical, you know, rock and roll, blues, to metal. 
listen to it all, and that's really, those are my influences, because if I can hear a funky bass sound, you know, in, in a band, I really, really dig it, if I can hear some, some jazzy drums, I can, you know, really dig that, if I can hear some wailing guitars, like Eric Clapton said, I get off on screaming guitar. <laughs> so who are some of your musical influences? Oh, man. Uh, well, not many people would ever say this, uh, Doc Severinsen. Okay, I can see that. Um, Chuck Mangione. Uh -huh. uh, Kenny G, of all people. I mean, the, the dude's phenomenal on the sax. If you tell me Yanni, I'm not going to, I don't know. Now, I'm, I'm not going to discount Yanni, but you know, <laughs> I, I, do like, I do like Yon Hammer. You okay, know, back yeah. Back in the 80s, yeah. with the old Miami Vice thing. I do like that that, that stuff. And uh, But now you, I can't say that there's one particular style of music or one genre of music that, that's been my, my influence. I, I, I take it all in. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get you to talk about one particular band. Oh, particular band. Well, fast forward to, to the 90s, and um, really wasn't into rock and roll and metal that much still. Um, you know, I'd heard, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, you know, Iron Maiden, Juice Priest, all those guys throughout the 80s. But it wasn't until the 90s uh, got introduced to a little band called Pantera. Mm -hmm. Out of, out of Arlington, Texas, which actually is, actually it's Pantego, uh, right next to Arlington. And uh, Buddy had a bootleg, bootleg CD of Pantera, which you can't, you can't do these days much, you, do, you don't do these days much anymore. But back, back in the day, you know, bootleg live CD, man, that was, that was the thing. And I heard Pantera for the first time, and I was like, holy crap, you know, this is what I want, this is where I want to be, this is what I want to do. And so I, I researched Pantera as much as I could. Um, all of them, I saw them twice, and once in 1999 with uh, Black Sabbath, the Black Sabbath reunion tour, and I believe I believe the other time was luckily with Kiss over the, at the Dr. Pepper Theater in Bristol. I probably should have mm -hmm. think this one. I don't know much during that during that time when I smoke, <laughs> you know, I don't really remember a lot. So anyway, times have changed a little bit in that regard, huh? Yeah, yeah. You usually keep it pretty moderate. Yeah. Anyway. This is not an AA meeting. This is not an AA. <laughs> we we'll just put a pin in that one then. Okay, <laughs> All right. So tell tell us how you decided you wanted to become a DJ. Fast forward through the nineties and into the two thousands. Of course, married a kid. Um, and then it wasn't until about two thousand fifteen when I had been DJing uh, special needs events. Uh, left it out the last time um, I talked to somebody, but. I've been DJing special needs events for the local businesses here in the Dallas Fort Worth area since about 2009. And I had a, a lady friend who was a DJ in Ireland for uh, 365 Radio Network. And she and I talked quite often. I became very good friends with her and the owners of the station. And she asked me, she said, hey, you know, would you like to come on board as one of our DJs? And you have a wide variety that I think could be a good, make a good show. I said, well, you know, me being shy, I'm an introvert, man, I don't know. And she says, well, you know, just, just think about it. And so I thought about it, and August 23rd, I believe it was, 2015, uh, Lost and Loaded came to be. Hmm. How'd you come up with the name? Actually, a buddy of mine was in the military, um, and he said, he, you know, like he likes things, military things, very patriotic. And I drove around with Kaylin every night, you know, for a few, for a few days, and she said, how about Locked and Loaded? You know, it's stuck. And of course, we had to come up with a name, you know. 
my name anyway. And of course, couldn't use my uh, my regular name because I was kind of nerdy. So um, <laughs> <laughs> your name's fine. <laughs> anyway, and so to go along with locked and loaded came into what about guns? And I was like, I like it. And so that's uh, it's just a chain guns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You wear it well, sir. All right, so now that's where Locked and Loaded came from. That was a long time ago. Where's Locked and Loaded now? Locked and Loaded is, is now on Deep Dallas Radio at www.deepdallasradio.rocks every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. And how long have you been on Deep Dallas? Been with Deep Dallas since 2018. Okay. All right, and so you've also started a second show now. Tell yes. us about that. Um, and the owner of ZooTap Radio approached me a couple of years ago wanting to do a show with me on his station. And I said yes. Um, things kind of were put on the back burner for a while. And then uh, we started the Laboratory of Metal this year, or last year. Yeah, it's been almost six months now. Yeah, almost six months. Yeah. And so what's the difference between Locked and Loaded and Laboratory? Locked and Loaded is, it's, it's a mix of rock and roll, industrial, metal, punk, whereas Laboratory Metal and Speaks for Itself is just strictly metal. Yeah. I remember when you started it, you're like, Laboratory Metal might be too hard for you. I listen every week and yeah. love it. It's all good. All right, so you have Locked and Loaded, you have Laboratory of Metal, and you're an internet DJ, right? So mm -hmm. it's on the internet. People can... Get it on different streaming services, different players is what I think it's called. Right. I'm still kind of learning. But once you, when you're live, like, I want, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is what all does it take to actually go live? And when you're doing it, because a lot of people think, oh, you just hit a button and then boop, it's all done. I press play and that's all I do. <laughs> uh, no, actually, um, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of you know, going through emails from promoters from uh, promotions companies, PR companies that send in music and I have to listen to it every week. And then I have to decide what goes on the show and then getting a show ready, it takes a lot of prep. You know, it doesn't just, I don't just sit behind the computer and press buttons all day. Uh, which it seems like, I know this, that's what it seems like, but there's a lot of creating graphics. There's a lot of, you know, time and de deciding what goes on the playlist for the day. Or what, you know, to, to decide maybe a theme that goes for the day. You know, and, and like, like every other person that likes music, for me, when I choose things to go into the show, it usually reflects what's going on in my life during the week, during the month, during the year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it may be, one show may be ultra heavy and one show may be not so heavy, you know. But to load everything into the broadcaster, and that's another thing, the broadcaster is a whole, whole other game. Because then you have to know how to get logged into the servers, and then to load the songs that you want on your playlist for the day. And yeah, we, we, we technically do press play, but there's songs that we choose that are in the queue that sometimes we may move up and down throughout the list, you know, or interact with people on Facebook or interact mm -hmm. with people on, on you know, on, on air, that people that call in or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you may technically the day of, you could have everything ready, locked and loaded, ready to go. Mm -hmm. And hit play but the time it took to get to that point mm -hmm. is definitely um, a little more labor-intensive I think than most people know uh, on average it takes about two maybe three hours at the most to get ready for a six-hour show yeah yeah it takes some time mm -hmm. and then a lot of times you'll have um, 
what do you call them? Like special featured bands of yeah. the week. What, Ten bands of the week. Featured bands, mm -hmm. yeah. And so then you actually create graphics and send that out on social media and tag everybody. And so you've been doing a really good job of helping promote um, independent local bands for a long time now. And so for people that know about Saltstone Music Media already, it's not a surprise to them that you created this. And so um, this is a probably the first podcast for Saltstone <coughs> Music Media, so I guess it's time to talk about it a little bit. What you want to know? Why'd you start it? Well... Or what is it? What is Saltstone Music Media? Well, Saltstone Music Media is an idea, and this is a crazy little brain of mine, that I've seen a lot of PR companies out there, promoters and such, take advantage of the musicians and other bands through their services. Uh, we are trying to avoid that at all costs. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so... What, what does that look like to you? Um, I do know for a fact that there are certain certain record labels, so-called record labels. Well, to be honest, I know I know I'm going to hurt some people's butts here, but I don't really care. <laughs> I don't know how they can call themselves a record label when they're not offering record deals. All they're offering is distribution and promotion, and that's basically it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how they, I and, and they're charging these bands anywhere from. Last I heard was anywhere from two fifty to maybe four hundred dollars a year, which doesn't seem like a whole lot, and sometimes it's a little more. It doesn't seem like a whole lot, but these bands are out there, and they're they're just trying to make it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're not signed any major record deal. They're they're not they don't have any you know major financial backers. I mean, they all have day jobs. They all have you know regular lives, but all they want is their music heard. All they want is their music seen. All all they want to do is be seen. And that's what we want to do, is to prov provide that service for minimal fee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very minimal. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that at some point your prices will have to go up a little bit, but they'll always be very fair and very reasonable. And so I know you're going to be doing some social media marketing, some email stuff, connecting to different stations and to, to get more airplay for local bands right. and those kinds of things. That's the intent is not to keep the bands on lock and loaded in laboratory metal. There's a whole plethora of internet stations and PR companies that are out there. If we can help connect you to those people, that's what the goal is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do it really well. You have connections nobody else has. You know that, right? Yeah. I don't know about all that, but you know, I just yeah. do what I do. Well, is there anything I forgot to ask? Or how would you like to close? Um, I would just like to say that, you know, follow Saltstone Media, Saltstone Music Media, we are, yes, we are fledgling. We're just not getting our feet under us and getting going. Um, but we'll pay attention. That's all I got to say. Pay attention, yep. So this is the first podcast in the series. And we've already got several others recorded that will be rolling out over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of that, we have an interview with Jeffrey Sines from Slave's Ways coming up. We have an interview with Jason Gottney and Nine out of Mud Flux. So you guys really need to pay attention, man. Great yeah. interviews. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff, great stuff coming out. If you're watching and you're in a band or know somebody in a band, connect them to Shane because whether or not they end up connecting with you for Saltstone Music Media, if they're in the music world, they need to know DJ Guns. Right. Tune in, lock in, and metal up, suckers. <laughs> All right, great job. <laughs>